welcome everybody to today's episode of Hope Through Grief. Uh, I've got my co-host and good friend Marshall Adler here with me today. Marshall. Hello, everybody. We wanted to do something different with this episode that we haven't shared with you or gone into detail about. We've told our stories. We've started through some grief. Today, we wanted to give you some background on the podcast and a little bit of our history, how this all came about, and I think it'll give you a better understanding of what we're trying to do on the different episodes. Before I do that, I'd like to introduce the audio technician who's pulled all of our podcasts together. Uh, his name is Randy Magre. He's with Duck Duck Productions, and he's the genius behind making it sound like Marshall and I are in the same room when we do our recordings. Randy? Welcome, everyone. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me on, guys. And just a quick word. They're not in the same room, but what you don't know and what you haven't heard is that the only time that we have met as Stanley Pominowski, myself, Randy McGrave from Duck Duck Productions, and We've done other work with Steve through the years, through the Jordan Smelsky Foundation, and uh, I think of Steve and Shelley as my friends. I've only met Marshall over a video call. I've never met him in person yet. And Steve and Stanley and I met one time for about two and a half or three hours at our office, and the idea about maybe we should be doing a podcast. Hmm, let's see where this goes. Well, here we are a couple of months later, and in the meantime, everyone knows the COVID hit, and... We're like, yeah, let's do it. We can do this. You know, USB microphones, technology, little garage band action, and we can make this happen. So just so you know, Steve and Marshall have learned how to do all this on the fly. And I think you'll agree that the results have been really fantastic to be able to not only get over all the hurdles that we faced with technology, but to pull together, not being in the same room, it's hard to have a dialogue when you're not actually sitting in front of somebody like you would around a dinner table or across the living room couch. So uh, kudos to Marshall and Steve for being able to pull this all together and make something that's really meaningful and really impactful. So great job, guys. Thank you, Randy. And by the way, he's just saying that because he's the genius that makes us sound good on every show. Um, so he's trying to give us a little I, credit, <laughs> but it's really his wizardry behind the scenes. This is way above my way above my pay grade from a technological standpoint. Without Randy, I would be absolutely sunk because he's helped me understand the technology, which is not easy to do for a 64-year-old lawyer. I'll say that. <laughs> well, we all have our strengths, and so we're all here just trying to play to our strengths. So, Well, thank you, guys. You helped pull this off. So the format that we wanted to use today for this episode was to have Randy go through and ask us a few questions so we can give you some answers and maybe talk through some of the why behind the show, uh, thoughts for what we're going to do in the future, and just give you a better understanding of what we're trying to pull together. So with that, I'll turn it back to Randy. Awesome. All right. Well, I'm not even sure I know the answer to this question. We'll start off with something super easy. In the film world, we always we do interviews and we tell people, we're going to give you the easy one first. Say and spell your name for us so we get it right when it goes on the lower third on the camera. But this is probably just as easy. How did you guys both meet initially? Because I don't think I've ever heard the story. I think I might know the answer, but I haven't heard the story. So why don't you share that with us? Uh, Steve, you want me to? Sure. I can... Let me just say 
Randy, Steve, and Shelly were a huge help to us because Matt passed away on July 22nd, 2018. And after his funeral and after everybody left, Debbie and I knew we couldn't do this on our own. So Debbie went on the internet and she said there has to be some type of support group for grief. And of course, we never dealt with that before because we never needed to deal with grief. And she saw Grief Share and she goes, I have no idea what this is, but it's starting in two weeks. And I said, send whoever's running Grief Share an email and sign us up. One or two things are going to happen. Either we're going to go and we won't think it's helpful and we'll shake hands with these people, say thanks for helping us, but it's not for us. Or we'll find it very helpful and it could help us a lot. And I will tell you from the day we first went and met Steve and Shelley, they could not have been nicer, more caring, more concerned, more compassionate. And I've said this before in prior episodes, the thing that really stuck with me is that Steve went up and he started out by saying, how many of the people here have have taken courses in grief? And of course, everybody was looking around and nobody raised their hands like, who in the world would want to take a course on grief if you didn't have to? Right, yeah. Really, and I go, why would you do that? And we were all there because... We needed a course on grief because we were in the middle of it. And I go, you know, this the Steve guy, I don't know him, but he's pretty darn smart. No, seriously, <laughs> I, I, was, I, was very, right I, I was very impressed by that. And that is how we met. And it's, you know, Matt loved movies. And I always quote different movies. I think I don't want to mess this up. It wasn't in uh, Casablanca with uh, the last line with Humphrey Bogart, uh, the beginning of a beautiful friendship. That's sort of what it was, you know, if, if you mm. see the end of the last line of, of Casablanca, I think that was it. But Steve and I have become very good friends. Shelly and Debbie have become very good friends, and they've been a role model for us to see how you survive and thrive grief in general. But also, be, I'll be blunt here, also the loss of a child or and even more specific loss of a son because we all have, we all have that in common so that's really how how i met steve and how he's really been such a um, guiding light to me and, and to debbie on our journey through grief that's awesome so steve tell me when marshall walked in the room and you know probably along with a, a bunch of other people did anything stand out or did you did you pick him out as the new guy? I'm not sure how this process works, but you know, sometimes you just can see someone and you you in probably I guess because they're there you would know or you would assume that they need some help. What was it that drew you to Marshall? That night I think we had about 25 to 30 people and Marshall was the tallest one in the room. So when he came in and <laughs> introduced himself, I noticed his voice right off. It was like his voice drew me in. So I, I do remember him before we even started talking. That's great. That's great. So 
you're you guys meet at this at this grief share. And I love it because like you said, Marshall, I, I can imagine your surprise sitting there with this guy saying, you know, who would take a course on grief? And you're thinking, well, that's crazy. Who would want to? And then you, the realization setting in that, oh, yeah, that's what I'm here for. Ah, he got me on that one. This guy is pretty sharp. How did this all get to that experience and your growing friendship? And then one day we're having coffee, we're grilling out, we're out to eat. We're, what are we doing when we say, you know, I think we should do, I think we should do a podcast. I'll start this one. I'm going to let Marshall finish. We actually did a podcast before. So I must have been after the second or third oh, that's right. uh, that's right. time through grief. Marshall called me and he said, hey, I'd like to have you on my podcast. And I was like, you would? And he's like, yeah. So he invited me in and I'll let him tell the story from there. What happened is... I knew I had to do something to continue the good work that Matt did when he was here. And again, I am a Fred Flintstone level of technologically advanced technique when it comes to modern technology. But in spite of that, I said, I want to learn how to do a podcast specifically dealing with how Matt passed away, which was suicide. We were very open about that. And I knew that the first podcast that I did was me just talking about Matt, but I knew the first guest that I was going to have on the podcast was going to be Steve because the podcast specifically dealt with the issue of Matt's passing, but it's obviously a subset of the larger grief journey. And I did 13 different episodes, and I'll tell you that Steve did such a great job as a guest, as my first guest, second episode, that I had many people say, boy, that Steve guy was a very sharp, very well-spoken, very um, credible guest that gave us a lot of interesting and helpful points. And when I finished the 13-week podcast, it was time for me to take a break because it was a little bit emotionally draining because I had many wonderful guests that all had lost loved ones to suicide. And they were wonderful to open up on a mm. podcast that they knew was going around the world. We had people from Brazil, Ireland, Germany, England, China, Laos, Cambodia, listening to this. And these people knew that this was going to be worldwide statements they're making about the lost loved ones. So I decided to take a break from that podcast. And during that time, Steve and I went to lunch. And actually, it was his idea to do a podcast together. So I want to Throw it back to Steve because actual the actual idea for this podcast was Steve's. So, Steve, you can tell about our lunch. I think that'd be the next part of the story. I think I I'd listened to several of Marshall's podcasts. I went back and listened to mine like three times, which for me is very hard to do because I don't like listening to my voice after it's recorded. I 
<laughs> That's for None sure. None of us do. I would much rather stand up, not record. That way I don't have to hear what mistakes I made and just talk to people and, and work our way through. But this was different. I did go back and listen to it. I liked his shows. He and I stayed in touch while he was doing his uh, different weeks. And each one, he'd tell me who he was trying to get or who he had canceled and he had to rebook, which is actually kind of nerve wracking trying to make a schedule. And I thought about it all the way through December, through Christmas holidays. And I said, you know what? I talked to Shelly and I said, I want to ask Marshall to go to lunch and see if he would consider doing a podcast. And so we met. I met him in his office. We talked for a little bit. We walked over, had lunch. And I threw the question out and said, what do you think? I'm not sure what he thought right out of the gate. But my idea was it's hard to talk about what Jordan died from because there's not as large of an audience and I think eventually you run into the same thing when you're looking at suicide. And I thought, what if we did it and focused on grief in general? And there's a lot of different directions and topics that we could get into. So one quick question. Inquiring minds want to know, where'd you guys go for lunch? It was a Japanese restaurant, if I remember, in Winter Park. Am I correct, Steve? I think that's where it was. We walked. It was close to my office and we yes. walked there. Was it good? I was right. trying to think of the name. Of it. We had sushi that day for lunch. Ooh, there you go. You guys went all out. I like it. What I really want to know then, okay, we decide we're going to do the podcast. We're working through that process and we decide we're going to do one. But, I mean, most people don't want to talk about grief, at least not to people. Well, shoot, a lot of times they don't want to talk about it with their family members. And, Marshall, like you talked about, people all over the world are going to have access to the show. We already have listeners in the few short episodes that we have already from different places in the world. I mean, why do you want to talk about grief? I don't want you to answer this from the perspective of, I lost my son. If you've already been through a couple episodes, you've heard those stories and those tragic stories. But what about you now makes you want to talk about grief? Because for many people, they're just saying, forget this. I, I don't want to talk about it. I'm already living it. So why would I talk about it? And I think it's important for people to know what's behind your desire or both of your desires to to want to talk about this. I, I guess I can go first. And to me, it sort of goes back, and I did talk about this previously. You know, Matt passed away July 22nd, 2018. Two days later, July 24th, 2018, while we were at the funeral home picking out Matt's headstone, I got the call that my mother passed away. So I lost my mother and my son within 48 hours. And it's grief to the second power. We had to go to Matt's gravesite, which was next to my, my father died in September 29th, 2012. So he was obviously at his gravesite. My mother's gravesite was going to be next to him. And we got Matt's gravesite very close to them. And Debbie and I, you, you can't believe it. You're looking at your son's final resting place. And I, I was very blunt about this. And I said, we got three options here. Number one, and I wasn't being funny. I said, some people will say, 
I'm good. I'm I'm going to join my son. And that happens. And I, I never wanted to do that. But I know that has happened to other people throughout history. And I said, I vote no on that one. The second option was to live. But I said, being the walking dead is not what I wanted to do. By that, I mean people are unable to lead a productive, meaningful life due to the grief that just freezes them forever. I didn't want to do that. The third option was to lead the best productive, most meaningful life we could to honor Matt because he'd want us to do that. But the absolute key to that was helping other people deal with their grief because we knew we had to deal with grief head on and we felt that not only helping us deal with grief by helping others, we would also hopefully actually help others. And I, obviously that's for the listening audience to decide whether we're successful at it, but it won't be for lack of effort on our part. So it's a double-edged sword. I want to help myself through my own grief process by making Matt proud But the end goal is helping others through their grief process. And again, that is to be determined whether we're successful or not. And hopefully people that maybe I'll I'll never meet, maybe people I'll never hear of, will have gotten something out of this podcast that helps them. You know, there's an old Jewish saying that for a person to save one other person, it's like they save the whole world. It's, It's almost, it's not the quantity, it's the quality. If you can save one life in the Jewish religion, it's comparable to saving the whole world. So if I can save one person's journey through grief with this podcast, I'll be a happy camper. I like that. Steve? When Shelly and I lost Jordan, I remember how dark everything was, how that awful feeling just crept up from the pit of your stomach and it felt like it was going to swallow you whole. You couldn't find your car keys. You didn't want to go out of the house. You didn't want to do anything. And you would have been okay if it was your time and God said, I'm calling you home as well. But when that doesn't happen, it's like, what do you do? Because that's his bad as it gets. You can't figure out how to even get back to where you were. I I couldn't do anything. We were, uh, it was horrible. We cried all the time, or we didn't want to eat, or we didn't want to sleep, or you couldn't sleep, or you woke up in the middle of the night, you woke up early, and then it's like, what do I do now? It was, it was horrible. And we were blessed to have a few people lead us through a grief class, the grief share. Like, well, Marshall mentioned Shelley and I leading. Well, we had leaders when we went the first time. And it felt better. And we went back again. And it felt better. And we wanted to go back again. And after the third time, 
we were going to sign up for a fourth time. And they said, no, if you're going to sign up again, you're going to have to help. And we're like, we can't help anybody. And they're like, we think you can. And so that's how it started. We had people that we mirrored them. We, we went into the different groups with them. They taught us. We listened. We, we started to heal. And I can't describe. So we, we weren't leading. We were just first-time facilitators. And when we finished that first group and we saw those people walk out, and we remember what they looked like when they came in that first week, how horrible they looked, how awful they felt. Some of them cried all the way through that first session. And then how they walked out of there, that was helpful. It helped us because we weren't, wasn't because of us, but we were there and we liked seeing that. And then we did that three or four times more. And we realized you do get help in your grief by helping others because you remember what it was like to be like that. Yeah. And you can remember when they say something, it's like, oh, I remember that day. And I could never see the point that we have gotten to at that moment. And you realize you can walk with them and try and help them along as well. Well, it's been helpful to us and we feel better every time a session finishes up. We need a little break to recharge our batteries, but we want to go back and do it again. So what would you tell somebody that's listening that is going, you know, I don't know if I can listen about grief. I don't know. Maybe they're feeling like you felt like there's no way we could help anybody. Right. But maybe that's the whole point of the podcast is that I think from what you just said, you have a belief that people are stronger than they think. You may not see it. You may not feel it. It might be the last thing you want to think about that maybe I'm strong enough to do this because, hey, we've all had that feeling before where wouldn't it just be easier to just give up and say the heck with this and just not meet this head on, just ignore it. And we know what happens then. It's, you know, it's your your vice of choice, whether it's pills or booze or other things or just deep, dark depression. But you're saying that you have hope that others find that same confidence in themselves that you see in them, right? Correct. I would say everybody has the option to self-medicate. We were absolutely against that. We we wanted to experience the grief, and I think we did to each to a personal level. And yet it felt better not to have assistance or help, but to actually hear their experience, share it with them, share some of ours. And at that point, you don't think you can do it alone. So remember, those people are no longer here. As soon as their loved one died, that's a different version of them. And we're all trying to figure out what that is. And none of us think we're strong enough to get through it. And it is a step-by-step, a day-by-day. Some days, it's a breath-by-breath moment because you just have to remember to breathe. It is that difficult. Yeah. But with a little bit of help and coaching, it's, it's amazing where people can go. And then what they walk out and say, you know what? I can help somebody too. I never knew what to say before, but I think maybe I could help. That's a tough one because we all struggle with whether it's grief or, you know, the racial tensions that we have in our country right now, or as a special needs father, people will look at me and they'll look at my daughter and they don't know what to say. 
and it's uncomfortable and we don't want to have that conversation. And it's on you, though, right? Because you're the person that's supposed to be stronger. You, you've been through the grief and she's 10 years old now and people will still come up and ask you the most horrifically ignorant questions that you could possibly imagine. And you, the first part of you, at least as a dad, I'm not going to speak for my wife because she's not in she's not a violent person, but. You know, I just want to punch him in the throat and go, where have you been living, right? This isn't an appropriate question to ask. But in grief and all these things, when we feel that way, to get through to the other side where you can just say, if I don't make a change in myself so that I can help somebody else understand this, then this just perpetuates, right? When none of us get better, none of us grow, none of us do anything positive with this. And what's the point in that? So I, I can't imagine... Steve and Marshall to get to that point with losing, you know, if I lost one of my girls, I can't even imagine working through what you guys have worked through to get to where you are. And that's, I mean, that gives me hope that there are people like you that have made it through this process. You've realized what it takes and now you're wanting to give back. I, I think that's, I think that's amazing. Marshall, did you have something like you were, you know, it's, Interesting, because Debbie said something about a year or so after Matt passed away, and she said that she realized that grief was going to be a permanent resident in our house. Hmm. It was never going to leave, and that she decided to make friends with it. By that, you can try to avoid it, as you mentioned, by doing self-destructive things, or you can realize, you know, people ask, when does grief end? For me, the answer is never. It'll end when I take my last breath, but I'll grieve mad for the rest of my life. But that doesn't mean I can't live a productive, meaningful, significant life helping other people. And I think that's the key decision that we had to make, that we just knew we had to deal with grief head on and try to deal with it as best as we could, knowing the, real, the reality of the situation, that it was going to be in our house the rest of our lives. And again, everybody's grief journey is different. Sure. And I can't tell people what their journey should look like just the same way nobody could tell me what mine was going to look like. And mine is different than Debbie's. And men and women see things different. So sure. I think... What I want the podcast to hopefully help people realize that they have to find their own journey that's right for them. You know, it's the old joke, um, you know, make your own story because everybody else is already taken. Everybody else has a story. <laughs> don't 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 right. emulate somebody else. Make your own story. And I, I think tell that to my grief, daughter every day. Right. It's true. With grief. It's your grief story and make the most of the time you have here as a tribute to your lost loved one. I think that's what they'd want. That's great because that I think what you're what you're talking about is getting to the point where you realize that it's really going to be defined as to how you're going to approach it, how you're going to look at it, how you're going to engage with it because I think you're right that it's never going to leave. It's never going to be gone. So 
if I don't find some way positive to do this and to keep myself in line, to keep myself, my spirits up and to have a productive life. And I just think it's great that the outpouring of that realization has become grief share that you guys are working with and helping people with. And now another outpouring of this, of your friendship is this podcast. And I think it can be a way that if you're listening today and you know someone, if you're going through grief and you know someone that's going through grief, this is a great place where people can just tune into the conversation. You don't have to take that first step into the room to grief share. Not everyone might be strong enough to make, I'm going to pull that doorknob, I'm going to open up, and I'm going to expose myself to everybody. But maybe this is a good starting point. Let these ideas and let someone who's been there before you and who's gone through all that darkness and is now using it to help you. This is a good place to, as a kind of a step in the right direction. And so I hope that, you know, for someone that's listening now, definitely share this with someone that needs it desperately because this is a lifeline that is not so much in your face. It can just be an easy, hey, I found this great podcast and I was really blessed by it. And I think you might be too. It can be totally not a, you know, can totally be a little sly if it has to be, but they'll thank you for it later. I am sure of that. So when you guys started the podcast, you know, you always start something with it. Like, who am I going to help? Or what am I going to talk about? Who's going to listen? And why are they going to listen? So we've got a couple episodes and, you know, we have, we have analytics and we have, different things that we can see behind the scenes as to who's listening, when they're listening, how they're listening. Are you a computer listener? Or do you listen on your mobile device? Are you, I know we have people that listen on their watch. I'm sure that might be Steve while he's out running in the oppressive Florida heat. So we're getting your numbers counted there, Steve. So keep, keep that going. But who did you have in mind as your target audience, people that you really felt you wanted to reach out to, to make an impact, to change a life, to provide support, or just provide a resource for someone who, again, could share it with somebody else. Who are those people that you were, that you were looking at when you were thinking about the podcast? I'll say this. When Steve and I first talked at the restaurant, nobody knew what the coronavirus was. Nobody knew what... COVID-19 was. Nobody ever heard of the word pandemic versus epidemic. People heard of epidemics. They never heard of pandemics. So when we were talking initially, the one thing I knew about our audience is that a lot of the people that would be listening to us in the future would have no idea at the time we were talking about the podcast at that lunch that they would be our audience because they have not had their loss. And you live on this planet long enough, one or two things are going to happen. Either you're going to die and people will grieve you, or you're going to live and people you love are going to die, and you're going to grieve them. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. We're all here a short time, and the idea is to make it the best time to help other people. So from my standpoint, the target audience 
was people that don't even know they're the target audience because they haven't had the loss they would then make them the target audience in the sense that they don't need to deal with grief. Who in the world would want to listen to a podcast about grief unless you lost somebody? It's just not going to happen. But look at the world. The one certainty that I learned after Matt's passing is the world's uncertain. I'm certain that the world is uncertain because I lost my son. So when we talked about our target audience, we had no idea we'd be here five months later with a worldwide pandemic taking lives where people are socially isolated and cannot grieve with loved ones as has been done by the human spirit for thousands of years. So we didn't plan this out, but if ever the world needs a podcast about grief, unfortunately, it would be in today's society. Absolutely. Absolutely. I just had a friend whose mom passed away, and he said it was the most heartbreaking thing ever. She was in hospice for a long time, so it wasn't unexpected. Kind of like, I think, like your mom's story, Marshall. Like, you you knew it was coming. You just didn't know it was coming so soon after Matt's passing. But they had had a chance to prepare, and they had a chance before COVID hit to visit her and see her. And he said, but had I known that the last time I went to the facility to see her, he said, I, I gave her a hug, and I told her I loved her and that I'd see her again soon, and I'd come back to Florida and then go back up. She lived in Indiana and I make another trip up to see her in a couple weeks. The next couple of weeks when that opportunity came up, well, guess what? Now you can't go see her. And her husband of nearly 60 years or it was 65, I'm not sure, but long, lifelong, they got married young. Um, he watched her pass away on FaceTime. If that's not a the biggest kick to your emotions and your gut and your – as a man or a woman, I mean I don't think it matters, but to your ego, like that's men. We're supposed to be protective. We're supposed to take care of our wives. And then – and he said, it's the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen in my life. He said, I cried like a baby and yet – you know, and he's like, and I can't even imagine what my dad dealt with going through that. So, Marshall, I think you're – I think you're spot on there. I think that through this, there's so many – it's not just the pandemic. It's all the ramifications of that you mentioned that are driving this distance between even family at a time when the only thing you want to do is be there to, to care for and comfort and just let them know you're there. A touch. A touch means so much, and that's out of the question in many cases now. What do you think, Steve? I think my initial thought – was maybe this would be a way to meet the needs of some men who, because leading the grief class, we do two of them every year. They're 16 weeks long. There's always more women than men. And I was a tough guy. I wouldn't have gone until I lost my son and realized I couldn't do it without. So... My thought was to try and reach some of the men who may not want to come in. But I also realized that there's a lot of people who don't like public speaking. They don't like to speak on a microphone. 
They don't like to share their personal thoughts and stories. And when you lose your loved one, you can't even say their name. So while we could serve the people that did come in, I also knew there are a lot of people that didn't come in that I'd like to try and reach. And my thought was, how do we, how do we reach it? But if you look at the results of over the weekend, we actually had 82 to 85% women on Facebook that, that checked into our posts. So where I was thinking it was the men that I wanted yeah. to help, the feedback from the women was awesome. So maybe there really is a larger audience who, first of all, isolation is not normal. That's the first thing we tell everybody that comes in, don't isolate. And yet you don't have a choice. We have to. So I think there's a lot of men and women who would like to participate. Some, like you said, opening that door that first time is one of the most difficult things I ever did. And it probably saved our lives mm. that we did. So if I had known then what I know now, I should have run through that door. You know, in hindsight, <laughs> yeah. everybody's the Monday morning quarterback. But when you're in it, you can't see sure, to sure. the other side. In fact, you're not sure you're going to make it. So I think there's a lot of people, men and women, that fall in that quarter gallery. And now you can't meet them in person. So maybe listening to people talk through some of the issues is the best way to, to reach people right now. And like Marshall said, we had no idea this was in our future. For sure. Well, and then maybe there's another part of this to it also is, you know, while a podcast is in truest form, just an audio program that you listen to, like you mentioned, but I think knowing what you just talked about with, uh, we posted some videos on the Facebook feed just to get the, the word out that the show was launching and we had a couple episodes out there for people to listen to and the response that we got from the females that were interacting with the posts and leaving comments. I mean, I think that was at least two to one uh, females versus men, which probably isn't super surprising, but you can join the conversation. A lot of people don't realize that, yeah, the podcast is something I listen to, but if there's something that strikes a chord or if there's a question that comes up by something that's mentioned, and I would look to both of you as, as experts, maybe not medical professionals, but Marshall, I mean, you're an attorney and Steve, you have the, the foundation. You've been a salesperson, very successful. So you both have had, I mean, you're definite experts in your fields. And then you're an expert, both, I would say, in grief. You don't have to have a medical diagnosis for someone to know that they're in grief or that they're grieving somebody or that they feel like the world is coming to an end because they lost their loved one. We don't need medical people for that. Maybe to do some treatments. And if that's you, please, you know, get medical attention as often and as early as you possibly can. We want you to be healthy and seek all options. But like you said, Steve, to have someone listen, but we'd also would love to have your feedback. The feedback that we got on the Facebook videos, people that were saying how powerful it was and they just – it resonated with them. So that is something that if something you want to talk about, if you want to share your story, if you want to ask Steve or Marshall a question, 
whether it's about how you deal with suicide or how you deal with something like Pam that Jordan passed from, we would welcome those comments. You can send those to hope through grief, H O P T H R U G R I E F at gmail.com. And we can discuss those on a podcast episode. If it gets to be where we get a lot of them, we can do a special episode just answering questions. That would actually be, I think, part of the outreach and part of the mission to help people is to share the stories. Because if there's one thing that we've learned, I think, through this pandemic and through the racial tensions and all the built up frustration that has all seemingly come to this perfect storm and explosion is when we have conversations honest, transparent, open dialogue kind of conversations, the uncomfortable ones, the ones we try to avoid a lot of times, that's when we make progress. And that's when we learn about each other. That's when we become friends, even if it's across a WebEx call or a Zoom call or a FaceTime or a, even a text message. If we're open and honest and we're willing to share, and it's a little vulnerable, it's a little, well, not, it's not a little vulnerable, it's a lot vulnerable and it's uncomfortable, but really moving forward and trying to improve ourselves, that's really what's needed. So we would encourage feedback, good or bad, any kind. We're, we're thick-skinned. We're, we're grown men. We can handle it, we promise. And, you know, be gentle if you can be. But, you know, we would love to hear what you really think because sometimes it's the underlying themes that come through those comments that you really find out about and learn. And we can have a civil discourse because we're grown adults. Well said, Randy. Thank you. Right? Absolutely. Very well said. Awesome. So speaking of that feedback, give me just a little taste of what you think we garnered from this. We launched on Father's Day, a day that's really tough for a lot of people. And frankly, I'll have to admit, it's not something that I thought a lot about from your perspective. Now, Steve, I've known you for a long time, and I know I know we've talked about this before. But it doesn't because it hasn't happened to me and I haven't taken a grief course because who wants to? We've established that. I didn't think of it that way. But a lot of people struggle. The dads that are missing daughters and sons or parents, people that sons and daughters that are missing parents and, and fathers. I mean, these are bad days. Like when you said, I don't go on social media, Randy. You told me on the phone, you said, I don't go on there. I post something about myself and Jordan, maybe a memory or a picture that I love him, that I miss him. I ripped my heart out. Really did. Because I'm thinking to myself, what would I post or what would I do on that day if one of my girls was missing? And I have, oof, that, I mean, that's, that's heavy. What do you feel like through those conversations that we had on social media, right out of the gate. What did you feel like the overall theme of the feedback and the support was like? I think there are a few people that understood where we were for that weekend. Um, that's why the heartfelt comments and okay. the prayers and that type of thing. I think there were some that had no clue. They'd never experienced that on a Father's Day. I will say this past Father's Day was different for me. I... Um, I struggled. I got up and went for a run in the morning early before it got hot. I came back. I struggled the first three or four hours. We watched a church service online, and then we went out on the patio. And I um, hadn't touched Facebook since I did the post in the morning, and I was done. And Shelly said, wow, 
you guys are getting a lot of comments. And it was because of the personal page. It was because of uh, Hope Through Grief page. And I did something I've never done. And this is six years for me since Jordan died. Still a tough weekend. Still a tough holiday to try and get through. And I started answering their comments. I went back through and answered every single comment. Thanked them or made a comment back. And I think I had 150 between Shelley's post and my post. And then we had another 80 or 90 on the different uh, Hope Through Grief ones. And I actually felt better doing it. I was still, you know, it wasn't a great Father's Day, but they won't be without Jordan. So until I see him again, it's not going to be the same. But I felt better commenting, and I was amazed at how many different people had reached out. That's amazing. Marshall, how about you? I'm always amazed by the response because, again, I'm very low level on technology. (laughs) And I always assume we're doing this and nobody is ever going to hear this. We're just doing this for the sake of doing it. And then when I see this thing actually works, people around the world are actually listening to this. Because I see that they are making comments that's helping them. And I'm saying, well, apparently this technology does work, which surprises the heck out of me. So (laughs) I'm very uh, optimistic in the sense that my expectations of technology actually working are always low. And I said, well, apparently the technology is working where people are getting the podcast and they are getting things out of it that are helping them. And for those two things, I'm very grateful that we're able to figure out the the technology successfully, but also we're giving people tools that we have found helpful in our own grief journey that can hopefully help them on theirs. That's great. That's great. All right. So we've established we have a podcast. We've established how we've gotten to that point. We've established that people overall have been happy to engage with the stories that you've been telling of your own journeys through grief. So as we move forward, I mean, we're infants in this process as far as episodes go. And so the future for the podcast has not yet been written. So we can... We can do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. What does the future look like, at least now? Now, I mean, we when we decided to start the podcast where right, there was no COVID, we, we, we didn't know that. And obviously, we don't know what the future holds. But just a quick look forward. What do you think about the shows moving forward? Are we going to have guests, multiple guests? Are we going to talk about different kinds of grief? I know Matt – Marshall, you lost Matt to suicide, and Steve, you lost Jordan to Pam. And, of course, there will probably be an abundance of COVID-19 stories. Is there anything we're not going to talk about when it comes to grief? I'll say this. I do it as an attorney. I always tell clients, you know, there are rules and regulations with litigation in court, but many times with a lot of things in life, the first rule is there are no rules. This is not a lawsuit where you got rules of civil procedure and rules of evidence that you have to go by. This is grief. 
And as I mentioned before, everybody's grief is different. So to answer your question, my answer would be yes to everything. Anybody that's on a grief journey that wants to talk about any aspect of grief by shooting us an email or however technologically they can contact us, I'd be all ears because that's their journey. And their journey is as important to them as my journey is to me. So again, from my standpoint, the first rule of this podcast would be there are no rules. I'm willing to talk about anything. I like it. Steve, you agree? Disagree? Courts in well, session? I'm not an expert on everything, but yeah, I would, I'd like to talk about a lot of different things. I, I don't think we have any set rules or guidelines. We are going to have guests on. We've got one coming up in a couple of weeks. We've got a lot of other people that we would like to reach out to and invite them on. We've got a lot of different types of loss that we can explore that we haven't even begun to start on. When you think about what Marshall and I have gone through, that loss was immediate. Mm, yeah. There's people that lose somebody over a year and a half, sometimes longer, and that's a much different journey. There's a lot of different types of loss. You, we've got parents. We've got children who have lost siblings, uh, grandparents, um, a lot of different types of losses that we can explore. And I don't think we'll set any limits on what we discuss. And if somebody wants to get into a topic, we'd love to, to explore it. I think we can just maybe assure people that this is going to be a safe place. That if you're dealing with grief, no matter, like you said, what that journey looks like, how they've experienced it, what they may be experiencing, they may be going through it right now. They may have just found out a diagnosis. They may have just lost someone. They may be still struggling after years. We can be a safe place where it's okay to talk about things. And I know from a social media perspective that, you know, None of that kind of thing. And I know that this is something that is pervasive on social media. There's bullying and there's all these different kinds. People try to shame people for feeling a certain way or for having what they perceive to be a weakness because they may have grief or they may have some mental instability while they try to process all these kinds of things. And just know that those are social media outlets will be a very safe place. It's something that we monitor and something that we watch out for. And that's something that certainly will never, ever be allowed. But I think part of the discussion will be driven by what listeners want to talk about, what listeners want to engage with, and the stories that they want to tell, the questions they might have, things that might be going on in our world, like COVID and you know who knows what else. And I think just being open to that. So please don't be shy if you're listening and you think, oh, that's dumb. I, I, I'm not going to send them an email about that. I mean, they're not, they're not going to talk about that. Don't be so sure. Don't be so sure. Send us an email. Send us a, uh, a note on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you swipe up in today's show notes, you will find links to all of those. So please just go ahead and like and share and get the word out. And we would be happy to take questions, take comments. And even if it's just, hey, we'd love to celebrate a milestone with you. 
if today is an anniversary of something and today's the first day that you felt normal in a long time, whatever that normal is, we'd love to celebrate it. We'd love to call you out by name and say, good job, Sally. Good job, Joe. We're here. We're supporting you and we're celebrating in your victory with you. So this really is designed to be a community that's about inclusion and about finding this journey together and in learning just because Marshall and Steve and I've lost people close to me, not like they have, but we've all been part of grief in our lives. We've all had that. And it's it feels good when people are there to be with you in those times. So I think that's, at least from my perspective, that's one thing I think this show can excel at. Thank you for sharing that, Randy. We're, um, we are interested in creating a safe type of environment where you can ask questions or share we may not have experienced exactly what you have. Uh, we may know somebody who has. Everybody can help everybody on their journey through grief. Just a little snippet or a little thing that you did that you don't think it's anything, but somebody else may be struggling with it. So I absolutely agree with that. And I think if the world has learned anything from this year, 2020, is that we're on this little blue marble in the big, huge universe. And this is it. We've got this one home and we all have to pull together to make it the best home while we're here. And part of that process while we're here, unfortunately, is death, passing of loved ones and grief. And hopefully we will be able to use this podcast, as I mentioned before, to not only help, I'll talk to me personally, help my grief journey, but help others too. All right. Well, there you have it. Don't be shy. Send us comments, questions, celebrations, whatever you have. We'd love to hear from you because that's really why we're doing the show is to make sure that we can share the knowledge that Steve and the guests and Marshall and others that come alongside of us on social media that we can share together and we can make that time on the marble the best that it can be. And if we do it together, it's always better together. You'll notice some of our hashtags in our social media posts have been better together because I honestly believe that that's the power of this show is going to be that we're better together. We learn together and our lives will be better when we do it together. So I would just encourage you to share, subscribe, listen, and invite others. And if you know someone you think would be a must-have guest that has a great story, send us some information. And if we can make a contact and we can work something out, maybe, who knows, maybe we'd have them on the show. Maybe we'd have you on the show. Do you, do you have a good story? So like Steve said, you never know what might be the piece that makes the whole puzzle fit together. So don't be silent. And let us hear from you, and that will that'll just make it all better together. All right, guys, anything else? Did we cover everything? Did we miss something? Anything you guys can think of that we should have said, didn't say, could have said better? Randy, I think you did a great job. Yes. Thanks for uh, helping us out today. And uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us on Hope Through Grief. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on Hope Through Grief with your co-hosts, Marshall Adler and Steve Smelsky. We hope our episode today 
was helpful and informative. Since we are not medical or mental health professionals, we cannot and will not provide any medical, psychological, or mental health advice. Therefore, if you or anyone you know requires medical or mental health treatment, please contact a medical or mental health professional immediately.